We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Andrew Benintendi has been traded. Who's next? We'll check it out. You are listening to KC Sports Network, the number one podcast network for today's Kansas City sports fans. With former players from your favorite teams, informed perspectives, and former insiders, this is the place for you. You can find us wherever you listen to podcasts or on our YouTube channel, all over social media, or our morning newsletter, KCSN Daily, dedicated to your Kansas City Chiefs. KC Sports Network is proudly presented by Emprise Bank, your partner in possible. What's up, y'all? This is One Royal Way here on Kansas City Sports Network. My name is Joel Penfield. Thank y'all so much for tuning in. YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, wherever you are, we appreciate you checking this out. I know that the Chiefs and our KCSN is about to be taken over by Chiefs and college football and all that here soon, but hopefully you guys still uh, like a little bit of Royals content here as we are in the home stretch of the season. And joining me to talk about uh, what's gone on in the last week, uh, joining me once again, uh, Marcus Speed from Royals Weekly. How's it going? It's going really well. Interesting stuff is happening. Trades. There was a draft. You know, a lot of hubbub. It's 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 a very interesting time to be a Royals fan. Yeah, absolutely. So it we we knew that the tra- like a trade was going to happen. It was one of just a matter of when between now and August second. And it was late last night. I was just about to get into bed. I was going to wind down for the night, and then right as I hop in bed, pass and bomb, and it's. Hmm. Andrew Benintendi going to the New York Yankees, which is funny because the Royals are playing a four-game set in the Bronx right now. They've landed in New York, and then about an hour later, the trade goes down. So kind of a funny circumstance. Andrew Benintendi doesn't have to fly across the country. He can just (laughs) go right to the other clubhouse and get acclimated uh, for a playoff chase. The Royals get three guys back. Uh, All pitchers that are kind of in the lower minors right now, TJ Sigma, who is a, a Mizzou product, uh, Beck Way and Chandler Champlain. I think that's how you sound, pronounce that last I, name. I think but, so, yeah. But they're all, you know, they're all pretty solid pitchers. I don't think they, I don't think they reached. I, I don't see anything like that. So it's, you know, I thought it was a fine trade. I don't, I don't know what you think here. 
Yeah, I, I saw some people who were upset. I think maybe expectations got a little too raised about what Benintendi would bring back because the reporting was, oh, it's going to be a haul for Benintendi. There's a ton of competition for Benintendi. There are a lot of teams in on this. And so people got their expectations up that, oh, okay, we're going to get some sort of top 10, top five prospect from a, from a system type thing. Or people were sort of hoping he'd be packaged with you know Scott Barlow and that would bring a bigger haul. It looks like the Royals went for quantity here. They wanted to get three pitchers, apparently, instead of going for maybe one big-time prospect or a couple bigger, more advanced prospects. Yeah, I think the guys that they got, though, have some promise. I think that I'm a really big fan of TJ Sycamore. I watched some of his film today. I watched film on Beckway as well. And I think there's a lot to work with with Beckway. And I think yes. TJ Sycamore really should be in double A right now. He, he says he's in high, and he has, and that's where he's been pitching. And he's coming off of an injury into this year. So, but I, the, the high A starts I watched from him, he was just mowing guys down. And it was not even really a challenge for him. He needs to be up in double A sometime soon, if not right away. And I think they're considering it. So, a guy who has two really good secondary pitches, a really good slider, a good changeup, doesn't throw very hard, but he does have really good command. And so you're thinking, yes. you know. Definitely a guy who has a shot to be a a back end of the rotation kind of guy to start long term. If he keeps that 60 grade command, if he keeps that going, I think he really has a chance to, to stay in the rotation. The question is, how does that fastball play? He's got some deception, how does, but how does it play at the upper minors? How does it play in double A yes. and triple A and things like that when hitters are more likely to lay off those secondary things outside the zone. They're less likely to chase what happens then to that fastball. He gets a surprising number of swing and misses from it, despite the fact that it's 89 to 91, but you know, it'll be interesting to see. He needs a challenge. And so I'm ready to see him in double a um, Beck way is an interesting dude, a projectable dude. He's 22, but his body still looks like it has projection in it. I think some people think he might still have a tick of velocity left in there too. Already throws 94, 95, it's a little volatile sometimes. Sometimes he'll throw up one up there at 90 or 91 too. And I'm like, is that a cutter he's trying to throw that just doesn't cut? Or is like his fastball that variable? Is it that, is there that much variance to it? But you know, a good slider, there's stuff there to work with too. I think he's further away than Sikama. And Champlain's kind of like a lottery ticket. You maybe you like his body, you like a couple of pitches, but you know, he's a 22 year old in low A, not having a ton of success there right now. You know, a real, uh, we'll see on that one there. Yeah, I, I like Sycamore a lot. I got to look at him uh, before the 2019 draft when he was at Mizzou, and the game I saw was one of the best of his college career. So that always kind of stuck in my mind and a guy that I really enjoyed watching that day. And uh, that, I kept up a little bit when he was in the, the Yankee system a little bit. And a guy that when the when I saw the trade goes down, I was like, I, I hope Sikkim is in there. I didn't expect him to be the the main piece, so to speak. I didn't, I didn't expect him to be the top guy. Like you said, I think a little bit of our expectations were inflated based on the way that Andrew Benintendi was talked about by insiders and media and things like that. You felt like you might be able to get a little bit more. But when you think about the rental aspect of it, you get three guys that were in the Yankees' top 30. They're in the Royals' top 30 now. Like, that's not a bad deal. Could they have maybe packaged a Barlow or a Stalmont, something like that, and gotten a little more? Sure. But they made the move, and they made the necessary move, and that's fine to me. I, I, I'm not... I don't jump on the, oh, that trade sucked like right away. I, I, it's so tough to tell, especially with baseball, to know how trades work out. And you're just trading him for three months, and then Andrew Benintendi's going to hit free agency and go somewhere else. So you've got something for him, which I was a little worried that the Royals were going to try and hold on to him and maybe try and give him a qualifying offer or extend him. You at least get something for him. And I really did enjoy watching Andrew Benintendi play for the Royals. He was a really solid player. He won a gold glove. He really kind of, 
found himself a little more this year and just played, you know what, I'm just going to put the ball in play and see where things go. And it made him an all-star for the first time in his career. So I, I hope that people look at him, look back on his time a year and a half of the Royals fondly because he was a really good player when he was on the field. Yeah, and I think they, it was a really mutually beneficial situation there for Benintendi and the Royals. They gave him the opportunity to raise his value going into his free agent year, and he did that. And they, he gave them the opportunity to raise his value, and then they can get something for him in trade, something that, frankly, they desperately need. I, when I was going in on, on this last week's episode, I talk about how what I want from the trade deadline is starting pitching prospects. I want them to focus yep. heavily on pitching because it looks like the future of their lineup is in good hands. It looks like they have a lineup pretty much solidified for the future. When you think about guys like Massey and Tyler Gentry, and then you have the whole young core that's in Kansas city right now with Pasquantino and Prado and Isbell and Bobby Wood Jr. And all and Melendez. It, the lineup is going to be okay because they have Drew Saylor just pumping out hitters oh, left yeah. and right coming out of, you know, out of their system. They need pitching desperately. Um, there's some question as to whether or not that will come along with a change in pitching regime and the pitching development regime, a change in pitching coach in the offseason. We don't know that yet, but at the very least, we know that that's where their deficiency lies, both in the minors and in the major leagues. So you need to get some quality pitching in here, stat, and that really can be the focus of their trade deadline. Yeah, I'll be curious where they go next because I don't think this is the last move. I've seen people think that it is. I don't think, I, I think there is a, you need to make an, another move or two, which they have the capability to do. We'll talk about that here in just a second. As always, the show brought to you by Kansas City Strength and Conditioning. Let's hear a quick word from them. From the beginning, we knew right away that we wanted to do strength conditioning and a throwing program for the baseball and softball community. It wasn't something we were trying to back into or all of a sudden learn. We knew we were really good at these coaching these skills from the get-go. And the fact that we're in the same business and the employees are all on the same page, you know, we can write a program based off of what a kid needs, not just getting him stronger or faster from a general sense. It's what does this kid need? On the pitching end, we can say, hey, this kid needs such and such. He needs to do this or that better. A lot of times it turns out it's not something that needs to be fixed in the baseball cage or on the throwing mound. It actually needs to be fixed in the weight room. Thank you, as always, to KCSC for sponsoring this show. Be sure to go check them out uh, if you have a baseball or softball player in the area that needs a place to train. All right, Marcus, so what do you think is next for the Royals? We're still a few days away from the uh, from the trade deadline. As I mentioned, it's on August 2nd. It's on July 31st, so it's not like we're really scrambling for time before Sunday, but how soon do you think it is before we see a possible Whit Merrifield trade or maybe a Michael A. Taylor or a, or a reliever. Do you think they make any other moves? I guess I'll, I'll couch it that way and go from there. I think that the chance that they move Whit Merrifield is pretty good. I think it's, if somebody said like, put a percentage on it, I'd say a 70% chance that they move Whit Merrifield just because they have sort of replacements in place for him. Just because I think they're, aware of the fact that he's lost a lot of value since his peak and that if he has still any significant value left, it's time to get that value. He is 33 years old. And so I think that he, uh, there's a good chance that he's gone. I think Michael A. Taylor should be gone. I'm not sure that they will trade him. I think Scott Barlow should be gone. I'm not sure that they'll trade him either. The Michael A. Taylor thing is because they're looking a little light in the infield with all of RS hurt right now. And they think to themselves, we can wait till next year. They're always like a we can wait till next year thing. You, there was a, a comment put out by JJ Piccolo today that was a little bit 
both a little concerning and also just looks like gamesmanship on his part where he's like, hey, we're fine just waiting on these guys till next year. All of our guys who we have left have multiple years. We can wait until next year if we're not blown away by an offer was basically what he came out and said today. And that's really troubling, right? Really that troubling is. because that's what causes them to lose value all the time. And I, I threw it out there on, on this week's episode. I was like, what they're going to what I'm worried they're going to do is is they're going to say, you didn't give us exactly what we want. So we'll take nothing. Right. That, that seems to be what they're OK doing sometimes. And I really don't like it. It's like it. Well, it's losing value all the time. Lost a ton of value on Whit Merrifield, lost a little bit of value on Carlos Santana, even though they got some of that back. It's a strategy that you don't see good teams and good organizations do because yeah. they understand that what you're doing is you may not be getting taken in a trade. They're worried about getting taken in a trade. I think they're like, we don't want to get way less value. And so they just give the value away. They just leak it essentially, but through, through time, time just makes the value leak away as players decline or their contracts get shorter or whatever. And then that value is gone, but they didn't, they can say that they didn't lose a trade, you know, if, if, if that makes any sense. And so I'm still looking for Whit Merrifield to get traded. It wouldn't also shock me if they paired him with some sort of bullpen arm that wasn't Scott yeah. Barlow. Like it wouldn't shock me if Pioms got traded or, you know, another guy in their bullpen, Clark. It wouldn't shock me if Clark got traded. Oh, he's been one. one of their more effective relievers lately. Um, so, but I, I think what Maryfield will go, I hope Michael A. Taylor goes and I hope maybe a bullpen piece goes as well, just because you should always be looking to trade bullpen. That's <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's always a seller's market for bullpen. So you know that a team, especially with if you can pair someone, I've been talking about it for weeks, and I, I try not to to hammer the same points over and over again, but it just it comes back up. If you pair a Wit or a Michael A. Taylor and a reliever, you're going to get a little bit more because you teams need playoff teams need bullpen arms. The game is played differently, it's managed differently, it's pitched differently in October. The Royals they know that from 14-15. They rode that bullpen to a World Series title. So being able to have those – when you have those types of assets, it's better for those guys to be on a good team because you're just wasting someone on a bad team. Like, I don't think people appreciate how good Scott Barlow is because he's been mm -hmm. on awful baseball teams for his entire career. If you actually look at the stats, he's probably like a top eight reliever in franchise history over the last three years, four years. He's been that good, especially over the last two. He's been amazing. One of the top five to seven in all of baseball. So – I, I want to see him play in October and I think the Royals should do right by him in that regard. Cause by the time he's, cause he's already close to 30 by the time he's 32, you still maybe have control of him, but maybe you're good. Maybe you're not like at a certain point, and maybe he's good. Maybe he's not. You don't know. Exactly. Open volatility is a thing. We've already seen him yep. lose some some velocity, right? You, you already you don't know bullpen guys. Look at Greg Holland, right? It's it, they're both they're in the bullpen because nobody has faith in their ability to stay healthy long term. Some of them anyway. And so Greg Holland was that guy. They knew he was a bullpen guy from day one. They knew that eventually his arm would burn out because his motion is very violent. They still let him pitch in the bullpen. He was really good for a while, but then he hits 31, 32, 33 years old and poof, his arm explodes. That happens to bullpen guys, right? And so Scott Barlow is not necessarily immune to that. There's a chance yeah. that when he's 31, 32, 33, he's a lot less effective than he is at 28 or 29. So get what you can for him now, you know, let him go and pitch some playoff baseball and teams are really going to want him not just because he's effective, but because he can pitch a lot, he can pitch yeah. multiple innings. He can pitch back to back days. That's what makes him so valuable. And that's going to make him valuable for a playoff contender. If, if they can bring it to the, or if they can find themselves a way to trade him. Now I will say it does take two to tango. And sometimes yeah. teams just don't want to give up that much in prospects to pair a Barlow with a wit and things like that. 
Yeah. And regarding Michael A. Taylor, teams should want him. And I'm, I would, I'm curious what the market for him is like, but he's having one of the best offensive seasons of his career. Not to say with power, but he's not, he's not striking out as much. He's walking more than he has in his career at this point. And he, for being a guy that they, the Royals just kind of stick at the bottom of the order and are just like, whatever value you give us is awesome because you're a good center fielder. Teams should want that, especially like at minimum a fourth outfielder. That's great value to have on a team. But the Royals gave him a two-year deal for a reason, right? Like, I think if it was just a one-year, like, hey, we'll bring you back and see what happens. Well, I don't think they ever anticipated him getting this valuable. That also. (laughs) That's probably very true, yeah. I don't think he anticipated it either, honestly, because he took a deal that is very little money. He may, doesn't make very much money. His, his deal was what, two years, 9 million total. So he's something like, like four, that, and a, yeah. four and a half million a year or something like that. That is peanuts. And yeah. for one, for a guy who's probably statistically one of the best center fielders in major league baseball this year, I know his defensive numbers aren't as good this year as they were last year, but you know, his offensively, he's above major league average, which is great. And then, you know, in, in center field, he still, he can still go get it. He can still move. He's made a couple more, throws that didn't go right on the money to home and stuff like that this year. But really he still got it defensively and offensively. He's looking very good, very solid. You know, I think his value is sky high. The question is, does anybody want to pay for that? I think the Braves are looking like a very interesting option for him because Adam Duvall got hurt the other day. Yes, I'm thinking, you know, the Brewers are an interesting option for him. Um, I think, I think there are people out there you could send them to. My fear is they won't trade him because like I said, all of RS is hurt right now and they might be like, we're too thin in the outfield to trade him. You know, I don't think that's the case. I say you bring up Nate Eaton, you let Kyle Isbell play center every day. You play Dozier in right field some more. You play Melendez in the outfield some. You're fine, right? Nick Prado maybe gets a start in the outfield. You're fine in the outfield. Trade Michael A. Taylor while his value is as high as it's ever going to be. Yeah, I think that's the, because who knows if we can replicate that next year. I, I He's 30, you just 32 years old. You don't know. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But it seems like whatever they've, whatever tinkering they've done with him has worked with wit. I think the Braves are another great option because Ozzy Albies is still out for another few weeks. And with Duvall out, you can kick him to the outfield and then you're, you're right there and you're chasing the Mets and wonder if maybe that'll reinvigorate Witt a little bit playing on a playoff team. He talked about like how, you know, without whether he wanted to say it or not, like that's where he wants to be. And I think for a guy like that, I understand the loyalty to, to Kansas City, blah, 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 blah. But if you really want to do right by him, then you trade him like you did Danny Duffy last year to go for a playoff chase. Yeah, I, I think it's clear that Whit Merrifield wants out of town. I think it's clear he wants to play in the playoffs at some point in his career and isn't sure it would happen with Kansas City if he stayed here, which is fair, right? Like, I'm not sure it would yeah. happen either if he stayed here. Uh, another another team I think uh, Michael A. Taylor and Merrifield might be suited for in the same division as the Braves. The how about the Phillies? They're like what half game out of a wild card right now, I think, or yep. something like that. And they're and the worst know, defensive team. I've oh, ever they seen. are just terrible. They're terrible defensively. <laughs> and so you know, you get two guys there. I think Merrifield is a, definitely above average outfielder at this point. Uh, definitely above average second baseman. He'll be fine defensively for them everywhere. Michael A. Taylor would be a, an ace for them in center field and would really help their their outfield defense. Um, a guy, uh, to, that's just another team I think might be useful for them. And the Braves, you know, you were talking about Merrifield and Taylor. I like some of the pitching in their system. I think I think the uh, I think that would that could bring something back that the Royals would, could really use. Yeah, and even the Dodgers would be interesting too, just as a like a low key deal because Chris Taylor's out. You can play him at second. You can play him at third. You can play him, you know, in the outfield wherever. 
they and the Dodgers are really good about positional versatility. I know they play Gavin Lux out there a little bit, and he's fine. I think Witt might be a little bit better just with, from an experience perspective, but it, it'll be interesting to see how things go. There were still a few days away. I think the Royals are going to deal. I don't think if they sit back, I will be very shocked and probably say some not nice things next week well, on the that's show. That's my question but, for you, though, is like, what do you think they have to do? to consider this a successful trade deadline? Like what, who do they have to move and what do they have to get back? I think it's just getting, I think it's just trading. I think it's just trading the guys that you should trade. Mm-hmm. Can I put and it, can I be vague, can I be vague well, and put it that way? Who, who, who should they trade? So is that wit? wit and I, I think they should trade wit Michael and a reliever Taylor. or two. Okay. Okay. That, you're, okay if they, you're okay. If they don't move Taylor, I'm okay. If they don't move him, but I think okay. they should. Okay. Sneaky also candidate to be traded would be Amir Garrett. I know he hasn't been great yeah. this year, but a team that's actually really good at developing pitchers could want him. And his numbers see, against lefties are very good. So yes, yeah, so there, even though there's a three batter minimum, there's still value in having a guy like that. So especially in the playoffs, when you're like, you know, I might need to get this one lefty hitter out like badly. Yes. and so especially if Juan Soto ends up on a on a on a you know on a playoff team here in a couple of weeks, the 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 enemy of my enemy is my friend, and just go trade that guy just to be the Juan Soto guy. Yeah, but before, before if Amir Garrett gets traded, before he gets traded, I just need to see one at bat against Javier Baez. We have been robbed hmm. of that a couple of times. It just needs to happen. You never know. When's the next time we play uh, Detroit? Uh, I got schedule pulled up here. We play them. I think it's like the middle of October or it's uh, yeah. September. It's not until September. That's right. I put the odds of them trading Garrett at like 20% anyway. Yeah, I don't think it'll happen. I don't think they'll trade him, but it could be like one of those, if the the metrics look good to like the Dodgers or something mm-hmm. like that, then they can go and fix him and then he's awesome. And then we just sit there with our hands up like what just happened, even though we all know <laughs> why, right? Yeah. So then the other part of this with all the, the trades that are going on is now we get to look at the 40-man roster crunch. Mm-hmm. They're currently sitting at 39 I don't know. And they, they haven't announced a move to replace Benintendi's spot on mm. the 40 man roster. I don't know if that is calculated to, if they make a trade for a major league ready guy that they could bring up, or they're waiting to see how the trade deadline goes, play a, a man short, so to speak, and then make a move after the deadline. I don't know <laughs> what that move would be. If, if they go internal, like a Nate Eaton or Michael Massey come to mind first as guys that you could, could put on the 40 bring them right up and let them play and go. I doubt that it ends up being a guy that they get into trade unless they get like a reclamation project that they, a team just wants to throw in. I don't know. Or I mean, if I were them, I would think about looking for, I think one of the pieces that they might try and trade for, if they were trying to get the top dream thing, like what's what, what is the thing I really want out of this trade deadline, whether or not I can get it, it would be an advanced pitcher. It would be a pitcher who, is already on somebody's 40 man roster, right? Whether or not you put him in the majors, he's probably already on somebody's 40 man roster because he was drafted four or five years ago. You know, it's somebody who's in triple a right now or double a right now who looks like they're going to be ready in the next year or two, as opposed to the next three or four, which is what Sycamore and, you know, the guys they traded for with Benintendi look closer to the three, four years than the one, two years, if that makes sense. And so if that's the case, then, yeah, I would. I, they might leave that spot open just for that forty. Although every time they trade somebody away, that frees up another one. So if they trade trade wit, that's another forty man spot free. Yeah. Right? And so I do think they're going to wait. I think they'll play with thirty nine until 
the trade deadline is over because they'll wait to see if they're getting an offer for Taylor or Witt or a bullpen guy or a package of those guys that can bring them that advanced player who can help them next year and the year after and the year after then rather than waiting three years, they'll wait for that guy to see if they can get on there or even a haul of that guys. What if they get two or three guys who are already on 40 man roster for, you know, Whitmerry field and a bullpen guy, they really need the flexibility at the moment. And so I think they'll wait if it goes all the way through August 2nd and they still have the 40 man spot open one. I think they're prioritizing guys. They're going to have to put on the 40 man yeah. in the winter. Uh, I don't have in my mind who that is, but you got to think somebody like, Michael Massey, you know, uh, somebody of that crew, you know? Um, yep. And so we'll see. Uh, I'm not exactly sure, but if they're thinking who, do, who, who could actually get on this team and play Michael Massey, Nate Eaton, they're the obvious choices. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. I think if they do if they do trade Michael A. Taylor or Nate Eaton, I think would be a slam dunk yeah. for like guy to come up because they're so thin in the outfield that they need a body. And mm-hmm. if they don't fully trust Kyle Isbell to play center field all the time, well, throw Nate Eaton out there and let's just mm-hmm. see how it goes. Because I don't think we see Drew Waters this year. Do you? I, I don't. I think they're just going to let him hit in AAA and just yeah. let Drew Saylor do all hit work his magic. And then I think coming to 2023, and I think he could compete for a spot like on the roster. On yeah, maybe. Day. Yeah, maybe. I, I think it would be foolish to put him in the Major League Baseball this year unless maybe for the last half a month, there's just really not enough of the season left to say, hey, 
you're going to get some time in the major leagues. Just let him work with somebody in AAA. Let him continue to refine that approach, work on it in the offseason, and then see what you got at the beginning of next year maybe. I don't like playing guys in spring training and then using spring training performance to decide whether or not they make the team. I don't like doing yeah. that because it's just so variant and so variable. So maybe you let him finish the year in AAA this year, give him 100 to 150 plate appearances in AAA next year. If he looks ready, if his approach looks different, send him to the major leagues, right? Because I think Kyle Isbell can handle center field just fine. We know defensively he'll be fine. Yeah. Right? He's one of the best defensive center fielders in baseball right now. The question is, will he handle it with the bat? It's good to give him a chance to play every day. Just let him play every day. Let me bring Nate Eaton up. He's been in AAA having success longer. Um, bring Brewer Hicklin up if you want to. That's fine too. Yeah. But uh, let those guys have it for now and give Waters a chance to really work on that approach and develop as a hitter. When I guess I'm going to say when because I do think Wick gets traded. I don't. I'm not going to talk in ifs. Uh, I I would be I would so be optimistic. Floored. I would Listen be to you. I would. The way the last like couple of weeks is how awkward it's been. I don't know how you I don't know. Train him. I, I don't know how you don't either. I was saying the same thing three years ago, but like, you know, now it's getting all like a friggin' soap opera. So, you know, yeah. I don't know with him anymore, but like, I, I don't know how you don't do it. I, I've never understood the logics of not trading him. I never have. Yeah, like, exactly. I, because all I see is like lost value, lost value, lost value, lost value. Okay. I guess we'll trade him now. I, I don't get it. You know, like it makes no sense to me. So if they go this year, it'll just be one of the Royals moves that feels very galaxy brain. Like they have in their mind what they want. Like, oh, we're playing fourth dimensional chess and you guys are all just playing checkers. It's like, no, buddy, that, that is not what's happening right now. <laughs> no, but when when what Merrifield does get moved, Michael Massey feels like the very obvious call up. Mm -hmm. He yep. has been ridiculously good in Omaha. He's hitting, I believe he's hitting 340, got eight or nine homers just since being there and he's starting to walk a little bit and he, you know, he's going to play a good second base. I think very quickly he could be a guy that makes you forget about what Merrifield very like not seeing that guy. It's going to take, it's going to be awkward not seeing 15 playing second base for the Royals. We've seen it for however long, you know, pretty much every day, but Massey is the type of guy that I think can hold down that position for, the next four to five years. I, I, I do believe he is your everyday second baseman. He can oh, be yeah. that guy. And if he makes his way to Kansas city by the first part of August and kills it after the last two months, there's another bat that you don't need to, you don't need to go and spend in free agency. You don't have to panic about going and making a trade for somebody to go and fill that spot. He's right there. And then you can go and make a trade for a pitcher in the, you can make a trade for pitchers. Because you yeah. have your young core of hitters that's there, they're hitting, they have you know a solid rapport with the hitting coaches, and just let that ride, and then go bring in an influx of pitchers that are solidified, and bam, you're good to go. You have three-fourths of your infield solved for the next four or five years when yep. Mike Massey gets up here. So, And him, Bobby Wood Jr., up the middle, that's fantastic defensively. Oh my god, that's fantastic yeah. offensively. And then you have you know Nick Prado, Vinny Pascantino rotating at first base. That looks great. Third base, still not an answer right there, right now. I don't know that it's hugely important that they get that solved right away. I think the pitching is the is the number one concern. I know a lot of people wanted them to target third baseman in the, at the trade deadline. I'm more more concerned with the pitching because I think one, you could let Emmanuel Rivera and maybe a platoon partner take third, and then two. You know, if you have one guy in your lineup who's not really 
completely pulling his weight offensively, that's fine, right? You can live with yeah. that. You can't live with three, four, three fifths of your rotation being garbage. And so you need to go out there and find a, a solve for this starting rotation um, a, ASAP as, as soon as possible. So it looks like your lineup is pretty much set. Once you get Michael Massey up here, they'll find outfield position. They don't know exactly what they'll play, but some combination of is they'll, Olivares, Melendez, maybe some Prado, maybe Nick Lofton at some point. Somebody combination of players will make that outfield good enough. And so I'm 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 psyched for the lineup. I'm just waiting for the pitching. Yeah, but let, let's hit some news news and notes here before we get out. And I want to hit one thing, one big thing here. Um, we need to give Brady Singer a nice little golf clap here for his last couple of starts. He has been, uh, he had 12 strikeouts in six plus on Saturday against the Rays. It was probably the best I've ever seen him in the big leagues. He had everything working. He was getting, he wasn't, he's still not throwing the changeup a ton, but it's there. And you can tell that like guys are actually having to think about it, even though he's not throwing at the the 15% that you guys, that you and uh, your brother talk about. But I think it's still a really good, it's a good enough for him that he can let his slider go. And he's starting to work that slider more back foot now. And when he, he got some disgusting swings on that, he's gotten some disgusting swings on it tonight in the Bronx, nine strikeouts through six right now. Uh, as we're recording, he's becoming the guy that we all hoped he would be. I hope that he can continue to replicate these types of outings. Cause we've seen him have these bursts of, two to three outings that are really good, but it's it looks like he's really getting dialed in now and becoming a the the best of the bunch, at least right now, right? Well, the only one you can say uh, automatically deserves a spot moving forward. He's the only one where you can say, mm-hmm. I feel good that Brady Singer will be in this rotation next year and moving forward. Maybe Brad Keller, but he's only got like one year left on his contract. And so, yeah. you know, he... Singer, we can at least say, will be here when the hitters open a window for us. And so, yeah, good on him, man. He has looked so different since he came back up, started throwing that changeup, and has gained confidence in it. Uh, you mentioned the 15%. That's how much I want him to throw it. He's throwing it about 10% right now, which is not insignificant. When I look at a pitch mix, if you're throwing a pitch ten, more than 10% of the time, I consider that a pitch you throw, right? If it's less yeah. than 10%, I'm like, I don't even want to think about that pitch. Um, if it's more than 10%, I consider it a pitch you throw. So he throws a changeup, and that's good, right? You saw that it, there was a great piece from Alec Lewis. I don't know if it was came out today or he just reiterated it today, but um, it, it really gets into granular detail about um, – Singer developing confidence in that changeup, and he threw one in a in a in an outing, in his last outing. It was like a two strike pitch. He comes out and throws it, gets a swing and miss on a to a lefty, and it just looks like oh, that is the changeup we've been waiting for this mm-hmm. whole time, and it's good now. It's a decent pitch. Well, it's still like a forty five grade pitch, but it works so that well works. for him when he mixed it. In. It works for him because he's not so slider fastball dependent, and it it gets in people's minds. I, my brother and I were talking about this previously. Like, um, just imagine if that pitch takes a tiny step forward in the offseason. Imagine if like that changeup becomes major league average. It's it's over. He's a number two starter if that's oh, yeah. the case. Because you know we're talking low three ERA guy if that's the case. Because then he can throw that changeup fifteen to twenty percent no problem. And so very excited for him. Glad he's getting this done because he he had to do a lot of work to gain the confidence in that changeup to work on his issues sort of imploding in innings, I think was probably another big step for him. Um, and so I'm really glad to see that he's at, cause he, he really turned a lot of people or, or he proved a lot of people wrong. I, I distinctly remember Keith law 
coming out and saying that he would probably only ever be a reliever in his mind. And I was like, I think he'd be more. I think he can throw a changeup. It's nice to see that he thinks he can throw a changeup now too, and it's working really well for him. I hate that it was that simple of a fix and it took three years to see it actually oh, happen. I try not to think about it. <laughs> I know I try to think about it too, but it sucks that it's just like that something that simple became like was that talked about because I was almost out on Brady Singer last year because I thought he was never going to throw it whether the Royals didn't think he could or he didn't want to. I was like, I don't know what this dude's going to be. I was kind of heading down that path of, okay, put him in the bullpen, let him let him see what happens. And we'll we'll go from there, but I I'm really impressed with what I've seen. Even the start against Cleveland, two, it was a couple Fridays ago. He was really good and then gave up like a throw on home run from El Reyes. Before that, you could see how dialed in he was. So we're, we've seen it for a, a stretch over a month now that's been really encouraging. And yeah, if he continues to go down this path of the next two months, I think it's going to be – that's very, very exciting and not something I would have expected expected coming into the year. Can, can I rant for one second about it? Go for it. Go for it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, but you brought it up. And that's like the simplicity of knowing that he needs a change up, right, is the thing to me that is like most jarring, right? So there's this really simple notion, and that is how many pitches do most successful starting pitchers have, right? A very basic concept, very basic thing. And the answer is at least three, right? Almost every starting pitcher who has been successful in the history of baseball has at least three major league average pitches or close to major league average pitches, at least three. Somehow the Royals convinced themselves that Brady Singer was going to be so much of an outlier. He was going to be on the level of Randy Johnson, who's the only one I can think of who has fewer than three and was successful. And he was going to succeed with just two. How does your mind think that that's going to be the case? Something that basic where he's like, oh no, he's going to be successful in major leagues having only two pitches. That's never going to happen. Why? Because be it's never fair, happened before. <laughs> to be fair, I, th I think there's a two-way street here on this. Like, I don't think the Royals pushed it hard enough and like made it, it like tried to beat it into his brain that he needs to throw this pitch. But I also mm -hmm. don't think Singer was receptive to anything they were telling him early on because he's made Singer slider work for pretty much his whole career. So it's one of those like young player arrogance of why do like what I do works. He even said that last year, like but, what but I do. Whose, what, whose job is it to, to really make him do it? it it's their correct. job to yeah, say, I'm not like, trying okay. to defend the, I'm not trying to defend the Royals and the pitching coaches right. for that. And I, I, but I'm I do, sure, I'm sure Singer's there was a certain of, amount of being able to be coachable too. I'm sure, I'm sure Singer's stubbornness and will and desire to sort of hang on to just the two seamer slider was a part of it. I'm sure that's a part of it, but you, you don't, you don't hear about the Dodgers having problems like this or the no. Braves or, or these qual or the other guardians, the quality franchises don't have these problems. And it, it's just indicative of, I think the thing was, they were like, we want you to throw a change up Brady. He was like, I really don't want to. And I'm having success in the minor leagues. Why do I really need one? And they're like, well, maybe you don't need one. Like, I think that's a mistake. Like you need yes. to know that he is not going to be successful at the major league level unless he finds a third pitch. You need to know that like immediately. And the funny thing is, if you remember comments that they would put out at that time, they would be like, well, we'd like him to throw the changeup, but he's having some success at the major league level without it. So does it really matter? Like, and, and it's like, yes, because the league's going to adjust to him as they did. You know, it's just one of those things that's indicative of the fact that they are not thinking on even the most basic level about, what translates really well from minor leagues to the major leagues and having three pitches is one of those things that is a fundamental thing that translates from the minor leagues yeah. to the major leagues. Absolutely. Regardless, Brady Singer's been awesome. I love it. Love uh, to see that. 
another guy that I, I'm happy is getting another opportunity. I wasn't expecting this move. Michael Garcia was called up uh, for this uh, this series. Uh, he's starting tonight at shortstop. I think this is his first career start because he only had one. He only had one at bat in Toronto. So yeah. first career start for him tonight. A guy that I like. I don't know what the. I don't know what is every day. I don't know if he can be an everyday big leaguer, but. That he's he's so good defensively that he could be, and so for those that don't know, Michael Garcia is actually cousins with Valcides Escobar, and they're actually pretty similar, like profile wise. Like they're really good defensively. They can go and steal some bags. They're going to make a lot of contact. They're not going to swing and miss. But Michael actually walks. Like he mm-hmm. actually knows how to take a pitch and work a good at bat. So if you're looking for a comp, it'd be like Alcides with plate discipline. Yeah, and that works, and that and that can work. Uh, he's and he's still young; he's twenty-two, so I'm glad to see him get the opportunity. I was kind of just surprised that that was the move, but we'll see how it goes. We will, and we also related. need to hope Bobby's healthy because that's why he's here. Oh, yeah, that is why he's here, and uh, I'm still I'm still concerned a little bit about that. They keep saying that he gets getting better and better. I hope he is, and he's doing full pregame workouts. So maybe he, that means he's on the cusp of being back. But uh, Garcia is an interesting dude. He's related to like half of Major League Baseball, I think. So it's not just Escobar. He's got like a ton of cousins in some way in, in Major League Baseball, according to him anyway. And so interesting dude. I wonder if Escobar, if Alcides Escobar doesn't have a little bit more power than Michael, Michael Garcia. And that's the thing that would ultimately keep him from being a starter. And when I say power, I don't mean like home run power. I mean, he literally just doesn't hits. hit the ball hard enough. No, I mean, he just literally doesn't hit the ball hard enough. Oh, that's true. A lot like Nicky Lopez. <laughs> that too. Yeah, that's bad with the power too. Uh, a lot like Nicky Lopez, right? Like Nicky Lopez, it's not really about the fact that he doesn't get extra base hits. It's about the fact that he just literally doesn't hit it hard enough to get enough hits. Um, now, that's I fair. think Garcia takes more walks than Nicky does. I think he's maybe, I wouldn't say he's a better shortstop than Nicky because while Nicky maybe doesn't have the athleticism, the flash, the slick glove that Garcia has, Nicky makes every single play at short. And so the consistency really makes up for his lack of maybe a little bit less range and a little bit less slick playmaking. Um, But if Garcia is still only 22, so it's not impossible that over the course of the next two or three years, he adds a little bit of muscle. He adds a little bit of power. His frame still looks real thin. And so you wonder if he couldn't maybe put on a little bit of muscle, hit the ball a little bit harder. Um, That's his only thing that might keep him in my mind from being an everyday major leaguer. If he can hit the ball just a little bit harder, I think he's, you know, capable of doing that, putting the ball in gaps, extra base hit power, not home runs. I don't think he's ever going to get to that kind of power, but being in a CD's Escobar with patience just means he needs to hit it a little bit harder. Yeah. I'll be, I'll be curious how he does tonight. He got absolutely screwed in one at back. Cause if you're watching the game tonight, we're, we're recording on Thursday. Uh, you know that we're all going to be looking for the umpire scorecard on Friday morning as you are getting <laughs> this podcast. Uh, but if you're looking to take your crew out to the K this summer, be sure to check out our friends at tickets for less tickets for less.com has the best selection of tickets for all your favorite sporting events, concerts, and shows, including the Royals. Tickets for Less never charges per ticket fees, saving you big time over other sites out there. You can even save more when you use our exclusive partner code at checkout. Simply enter code KCSN22 when ordering your seats at ticketsforless.com. That code again, KCSN22. All right, before we get out of here, do you have any final thoughts? I think people, I know, I know chief season is coming up. I know people are like, Oh, I'm disinterested. But to me, like this is about to be one of the most exciting times to watch this team this year because singer looks like he's rounding into form. 
Bubich looks like he might have something. Keller's had a few good starts recently. And then all these young guys are coming up. You know, we're going to see Heasley back in the rotation. Michael Massey's going to get a chance here before too long. I think Nate Eaton will get up here before too long. Prado, Pasquantino, I want to see what this team can actually be. You know, I know that they're probably not going to have a great chance in this Yankee series. They're pretty hurt. Their Yankees are a machine right now. But you know what? I'm still excited to see what the young team is going to look like in 2023. And so, yeah, give me all this I can. And for the Lord's sake, Dayton, JJ, if you listen to this podcast, Whit Merrifield, Michael A. Taylor, they both got to go. Both of them. Not just one of them, both of them. Uh, take a bow, Brady Singer. He just threw seven shutout innings of one hit ball in the Bronx against, with 10 strikeouts. Against this Yankees team, that is incredible. Incredible. Yes. Season ERA down to three five one, so Incredible. hell of a performance there. But of course, no good deed goes unpunished, and it's still nothing, nothing after <laughs> he seven. has zero runs. Who would have thought with Ryan O'Hearn starting in this lineup that they wouldn't get any runs? Don't want to, don't want to talk about it. Don't want to <laughs> talk about it. Um, one last question before we end end here. I'm pretty sure I've asked you what your walk up song would be, so we're gonna change it up a little bit. I don't think you have. Oh, I did not. Okay, well, I'll go. Remi- we'll go two questions here. What, what okay. would your walk up song be? Sultans of Swing by Dire Straits. Great choice. Yeah, right? Not actually great about choice. baseball, but I think it's the perfect song to walk up to. That's a great choice. All right, second question. If it, in that at-bat at Kauffman Stadium, if you could stand 60 feet 6 inches from any pitcher in baseball history, not asking you to try and get a hit against this person, but just to see their stuff, what would it be? Oh, who, okay. would it, who would it be? Because I was going to choose the worst pitcher I've ever seen. I was going to go like <laughs> Kyle Davies or, you know, something like that. <laughs> well, who was uh, that guy that had like the one start for the Royals? Give like 12, Vin Mazzaro? Oh, yes, yes. Uh, yes I'll um, take him. Uh, actually, I want somebody who throws real soft. So give me a Jamie Moyer or like something like that. But if, if we're talking like just to see what that stuff looks like, you know, um, I think I'm going to go Bob Gibson. I think I want to oh, see yeah. what he his stuff looks like. I don't want to get hit with a baseball, though. He'll, uh, he'll throw so, you that knockdown fastball. So if I can say Bob Gibson, but he's not allowed to hit me. <laughs> Because that's the thing I'm most scared of. If you put me in the batter's box at this point, the one thing I'm scared of is the ball at this point, yeah. you know, uh, which makes it sound like I never played baseball. I did. But, you know, at this point, I'm 36 years old. Uh, you hit me with a baseball. I'm probably never getting back up. So, uh, you know, just don't hit me, Bob, um, when we're up there. <laughs> yeah, I. so what? I would take Satchel Page. That'll be. Oh, that's such a good choice. Satchel Page from the right side. If I'd pick a lefty, it would be Koufax. Are you a lefty? I am a lefty. So you're going to face well, a righty? Well, I bat, I, I throw left, but I bat right. Oh, okay. That'll help. That was, uh, yes. I really probably should have chosen a lefty too, I guess. But because, you know, if I want a chance of getting any, like it matters. <laughs> I'm yeah. saying this like it matters. Like if yeah. I'd even be able I to also touch think, any of these. I also think Randy Johnson would be a ton of fun. Oh, this... I'd be shitting my pants. <laughs> I'm sorry. Am I allowed to cuss on this? I'm not sure. Yeah, no, it's fine. It's fine. No one's listening at this point anyway. It's all oh, good. Good, good, good. <laughs> But really, thank you. Thank you all for checking this out and listening to this episode. Be sure to leave us a review. Let us know how we're doing. Like the video on YouTube. Comment if you have any questions. I usually hop in there and watch uh, from time to time and look for questions. So be sure to check that out. Uh, be sure to subscribe to uh, Marcus's podcast with his brother, Mike Royals Weekly. They are on YouTube as well. So go subscribe to their channel. And we will talk to you all next week after the trade deadline and hopefully a few more moves we get to talk about. Talk to you all soon.